0: Welcome, to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Bever. With me, as always, Stephen White. Stephen, I did that fast because we got a draft to talk about. It happened. It actually happened.
1: Yeah, after all of this offseason and all the talk and you know switching quarterbacks to receivers and <laughs> which which quarterback you know didn't have the right attitude or the right uh, upbringing to be in Cleveland, wasn't blue collar enough and some dude that just looked the part of the quarterback. <laughs> he finally actually got to see what the league thought of these guys, Uh, as opposed to what we all thought the yeah. league thought of them. So it, it was very interesting. Right from the start, almost, you know, we we, we had some, some surprises. Yeah,
0: I was like, I, I mean, really, it wasn't until the Thursday, the day of the draft, that we really had started to hear that, you know, and that the Browns are going to pick Mayfield first overall. That was kind of the the first reporting of that. I mean, like, and before that, it seemed like, it, you know, I it was what Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. And, like, you didn't really have an idea. That was the first time in a while you didn't have, like, a clear-cut idea at least a week out of who was going to be the number one pick.
1: You know, the funny thing is uh, I, I don't really subscribe to, you know, sources and stuff yeah. like that. Or uh, necessarily when people say this guy leaks stuff, that guy leaks stuff. But it was funny because they said that uh, nobody knew that Baker Mayfield was going number one overall, right? Uh-huh. Like, like you said, everybody thought, I know for a long time, everybody just assumed it was Sam Darnold. Yeah. And then there was always the faction that just thought Josh Allen looked the part enough and hey, it's the Browns, so why not? Yeah. Well... But then, you know, we knew that. Um, Uh, what's the guy who used to be with the Redskins in the personnel department? Uh, Uh, McLuhan. McLuhan. We knew that he liked Baker Mayfield from the start.
2: Yeah.
1: Before they hired him, when he was doing his own scouting service, he was talking about how Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, was a big-time quarterback. Yeah. Um, But people kind of talked themselves into, you know, believing they knew what a GM preferred – based on what he used to prefer or what he preferred at his previous job and stuff like that. So we had everybody pretty much except Baker Mayfield as the guy who's going to go number one until, like you said, a couple of days before the draft. Well, the funny thing is the stories came out about Hugh Jackson not being told who the Browns are going to take number one. Mm-hmm. Right, remember, like a couple weeks before they were like, the GM wasn't even gonna tell the head coach, yeah, <laughs> uh, who he was taking. Well, evidently, he told Hugh Jackson that they were taking Baker Mayfield like a couple days before the draft. And then, wouldn't you know it, <laughs> you look up, and right after he tell them, all of a sudden, everybody knows it's Baker Mayfield, or at least they're reporting mm-hmm. that it's gonna be Baker Mayfield. People are still pretty skeptical. You know, And, of course, we had the one guy in Cleveland who said he was going to eat horse shit if they took Baker Mayfield. And I I don't know if he went through with that or not. I hope he didn't. But, you know, I would live my life fully without knowing whether he did or didn't. So don't (laughs) nobody tell me. But, yeah, I mean, it was funny because people were like, oh, Hugh Jackson likes to leak to the reporters. I'm like, how do you even know? And what head coach doesn't? But that was just so ironic that you know, they kept saying that Hugh didn't know who the number one pick was. And then I was the GM told him a couple of days beforehand. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, oh, no, it's not Sam Donald. It's not Josh Allen. It's actually Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and it was funny because I was just sitting back watching everybody fight the last couple of weeks on social media over draft picks when none of us really knew where anybody was going. And, like, people were so sold on it being Sam Donald or Josh Allen a lot of people didn't even believe that it was Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. until the car was turned in, right? I saw various reports the last day or so before the draft that it was gonna be Baker Mayfield. And collectively, draft Twitter was like, Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> we'll <laughs> believe it when we see it. And sure enough, when they turned the car in, it was it was Cardi and it was Baker Mayfield. And and I, you know. I don't do quarterback breakdowns, so don't come at me with your bullshit, but (laughs) I personally thought Baker Mayfield was a pretty good prospect. I I couldn't really understand why so many people couldn't believe that he could go Mm -hmm. number one overall. And, you know, I I certainly don't think it's a bad pick regardless. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I I think that Baker Mayfield showed enough in college that he was worthy of being at least considered for the number one pick. This isn't like, They just pulled some guy out of the ass and took him number one on the wall the way we're used to the Browns operating.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, like, you know, had that card said Josh Allen on it, I don't think anybody would have been surprised. You know what I mean? It would have been, oh, yeah, that's a very much a Browns pick, a guy that's never completed more than 56% of his passes. Yeah, definitely. That's, That's the Browns pick right there.
1: And then, little did we know, the Bills were going to outdo the Browns. They were going to
0: out-Browns the Browns.
1: Absolutely. A few picks later.
0: Absolutely. And remember, too, you know what's funny, too? Like, they had kind of like that Wednesday before the draft and really Thursday morning, man, like those big, like even like Schefter and Rapport, those big name insiders. It was hyped. I mean, it was lit. It was going to be lit. Remember the draft? It was, it, it was going to be lit with trades. Just trades and trades and trades and trades. And all everyone moving up to get these quarterbacks. And sure enough, what, we get to about pick number 10 before we got, <laughs> we got a big trade up?
1: Right. And then, you know, <laughs> they moved up for Josh Rosen. Yeah. Who actually we didn't think was going to fall that far. No. But – You know, it was funny to me because the Bills moved all the way up prior to the draft Mm -hmm. to number seven just to get Josh Allen. Jeez.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, (laughs) so the Bills quarterback roster right now is Josh Allen, A.J. McCarron, and Nathan Peterman. Alexa's weighing in here. Alexa, stop! I don't know what. What I guess Alexa has
1: draft. Takes. We should, have, we, should have, we should bring on. Look, everybody has draft takes. She wants to join in too. I mean, and really, like you could, like you could probably
0: automate your draft takes and probably just get off as good as most of draft Twitter. But, but yeah, that's a whoo That's a tough times ahead. Maybe if you're a Bills fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. Uh... I totally forgot about it, but remember, E.J. Manuel was a looked-apart All-Star, too. And he's another guy that they took, and and everybody kind of knew, hey, man, E.J. Manuel really isn't a first-round pick. But they took him anyway, and predictably, he failed. Yeah. And so, really, the only shock will be if Josh Allen goes out there and lights it up. Yeah. And, And he could. He really could. Like, there's no... Way to know for sure. Yeah. Right? How many guys end up going after the first round and still doing pretty well? I I mean, you just don't know. He does have all of the attributes that you want in a quarterback, Mm -hmm. except for the ability to actually play quarterback (laughs) on film. (laughs) So, I I mean, who knows? Maybe he gets some better coaching up there. Maybe he gets some receivers that can help him out a little bit. and, and, And things go well for him. Maybe they make the offense so that he's not called upon to do a whole lot. Yeah. Who knows? But... You know, for people who you know know a little bit about football and have watched him, it doesn't seem like it's going to go that way. Yeah, it really doesn't seem like it's going to turn out well for them. And you know, that's that's the bills for you. You had a quarterback (laughs) that took you to the playoffs last year for uh, the first time in however long shit, the first time since I think I was playing still. Yeah, and you know, they didn't appreciate that. So now we'll see how they appreciate uh, this Josh Allen guy. I mean,
0: maybe it was the tweets. Maybe they just, like, if what better place for someone with racist tweets from their past to go than Buffalo? <laughs> that was, I guess that was our gas mask story this year. Yeah, I mean,
1: and look, <laughs> I don't really know what to make of those tweets as far as, uh, the fact that they came up so late. I mean, like, you would think that in this day and age, anything like that would have come out a long time ago about them. So the timing was very interesting. Yeah. Um, And and the other thing that's interesting is that there seems to be this faction of people now. I'm not going to say it's a lot of people, but there's this faction of people now that excuse racism or bigotry or sexism when you're young, is just part of growing yeah. up, and so I think that sends a very fucked up message yeah. to especially the younger generation that hey, you can be racist and sexist as long as you do it before you hit puberty. Yeah, I, I don't really, you know, understand where that's coming from, but look, I don't know what's in the kid's heart now, but the, the thing that that kind of is interesting is this thought that because he stopped tweeting out stuff mm-hmm. that he necessarily changed. Yeah. I don't know if he changed or not, but I'm pretty sure most of the people that are saying he's changed don't fucking know either. Yeah. Just because he ain't tweeting it out anymore. doesn't mean he doesn't hold the same beliefs or feel the same way or, or have the same vernacular when he's around people that he's, you know, used to saying these things around. Yeah. So we have to be very careful. We don't know people from their social media profile. No. We don't know them from their uh, athletic exploits either. We don't know, so uh, I, who knows how it's gonna be in that locker room? Somebody was joking that uh, uh, what's the guy? Uh, Incognito was now gonna try to unretire so he could play <laughs> with them. You know who? Who knows? Uh, but it is it, it, crazy to say this, but it's true. Women kind of solves everything in football.
2: You know, yeah.
1: if he's not in there screaming and yelling the n word, if he just puts his puts his head down and goes to work, yeah, and and plays well, then I I think most guys would give him a pass on it. But yeah. you know, at the same time, I don't see anybody, any player of color necessarily being looking to uh, make quick friendships with him. I'll put it that way. I, yeah. I don't see them hanging out uh, together until he builds up some kind of trust within the locker room so that they at least have a reason to believe mm-hmm. that th- those tweets didn't re- don't don't represent who he currently is. So, you know, on the field, it is so much stuff that gets blocked out once you hit that field. It, it, I mean, <laughs> people, guys aren't holding hands and singing kumbaya in the fucking locker room. We're professional athletes. Yeah. A lot of times, this guys in the locker room who you used to play against, who you couldn't fucking stand last year, and now y'all teammates. So you just have to understand this is a business and this is a game, and you know you're gonna paid a lot of money for, it, and your job is contingent on you going out there and playing well. No matter if the dude beside you you can't stand. Yeah. You know they're not gonna cut him if you fucking up. <laughs> just because yeah. you don't like him well coach I don't like him <laughs> no okay well you go play with somebody else after we cut your ass <laughs> so you know it'll figure itself out but it, you know winning will make things go over easier in the locker room a lot quicker mm-hmm. than you know because if they start losing if, he, if they decide to throw him out there right away and he looks banged, oh my goodness that oh those tweets are going to come back up again you can believe that oh yeah yeah <laughs>
0: oh yeah, cause it'll be. I mean, I and really like. I mean, who? I mean, I, God, that what a quarterback battle that's going to be with those three.
1: <laughs> really, something. Yeah, to watch. you got to use the air quotes with battle on that. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly. If AJ McCarron's your favorite to start Week One, what you got? You got some reflection to do <laughs> as an organization. Um, so. You know, the Browns pick that maybe surprised me more than Baker Mayfield was, and, and this is maybe just as someone, too, that, you know, didn't follow every single pick-by-pick pick analysis in the lead-up to the draft. but um, And it makes sense, perfect sense in hindsight. But, like, that, the Browns get Denzel Ward, the cornerback from Ohio State, with their fourth pick, the fourth overall pick, their second first-round pick. Not Bradley Chubb. Obviously, Barkley was gone off the board anyway at that point to the Giants, but I thought that was kind of
1: interesting. Yeah. I don't know enough about Denzel Ward to be able to uh, say whether or not I would value him the same as I would value Bradley Chubb. Yeah. I did a breakdown on Bradley Chubb, however, so I know how good he is. Mm-hmm. So let's just say Denzel Ward be a bad motherfucker on the field. <laughs> because I'm reasonably sure that that's what Bradley Chubb is going to be for the Broncos, and mm-hmm. Bradley Chubb just went uh, a, a pick later. Yeah. And look, I get it. You know, To a certain extent, um, the Browns are set up well already up front. They have... Emmanuel Ogba, who's been playing really well for them, Mm -hmm. opposite of Miles Garrett, who they got last year. But here's the thing, and and this is why you take the best available, you know, unless you need a quarterback, you take the best available player on your board, and that's the smartest way to go. Because, look, Emmanuel Ogba might go out there and get hurt on the first play. Yeah. Same for uh, Miles Garrett. Or maybe you kick Emmanuel but inside and let him play inside a little bit. Now you got three horses instead of two up front, mm-hmm. you know. And and, and 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 you get that kind of fucking pressure, the kind of pressure you could get from Mary uh, Garrett Miles on one side. I'm sorry, Miles Garrett on one side, yeah. And Bradley Chubb on the other. That's gonna help your secondary anyway. Yeah. Right. I I, I don't think that Greg Williams is gonna gonna be some kind of all-world defense coordinator where he was just one press cornerback away. Yeah. Especially in a league where, (laughs) I mean, they basically discourage contact between the cornerbacks and the wide receivers these days. Mm -hmm. So uh, even when I was doing my evaluations this year, when I was doing them on wide receivers, it just hit me like I I usually really uh, care whether whether or not a wide receiver can get off the line Mm -hmm. well. But, you know, when you think about it, how many teams play press coverage a lot nowadays? Yeah. I mean, maybe a handful. Most of them, even when they're playing man-to-man, they're playing off. And Mm -hmm. we know that last year, at least with their safeties, the Cleveland Browns like to play way off anyway. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, philosophically, to me, Denzel Ward couldn't have just been a push with Bradley Chubb if you take him over Chubb. Yeah. To me, just the position value itself, he would have had to been above and beyond better than Bradley Chubb for me to take him over Chubb. Yeah. I just, I don't care who else you already have there. You just don't ever know. Yeah. You keep getting the best player available, and it'll work yourself out, I promise you. Yeah, But, you know, who knows? Denzel, and that's not saying Denzel Ward won't play well. I think he will. I just don't think that he can have the same kind of impact as as a Bradley Chubb can. Not these days. You know, the, no. there ain't really a whole lot of uh, Deion Sanders uh, out there anymore where everybody else is playing his own and that guy's got somebody man-to-man all over the field. You know, if Denzel yeah. Ward can do that, great. I, I don't see a whole lot of them anymore. Maybe Patrick Peterson or somebody like that. But I don't see a whole bunch of those follow a dude all over the field and shut them down type corners anymore. No. So, you know, I see a lot of guys, I see a lot of teams that have a need to rush the passer though. And I see a lot of quarterbacks busting under pressure. You know, quarterbacks look real average when they have a whole bunch of pressure coming after their ass. And if you got Bradley Chubb, Agba, and Miles Garrett on the same defensive line. Yeah. what can't you do what can't you do because you know and that quarterback better yet that quarterback on the other side of ball knows he ain't got time to do shit he ain't got time to go to his second option or third option he better get it out now because one of these guys is coming after him and that would help your secondary a lot more than a corner who may or may not be involved in like one out of every 10 plays yeah
0: well, and that's my too with like like you say with Williams defenses. I've seen it because I've been the Rams for that many years, and you saw you see the same thing with Cleveland. They play that deep stop. I mean, they play those backs back so far. There's a huge gap in the middle, and it's easy for quarterbacks to complete those six to twelve yard passes and just kind of you know move the ball that way, and they don't seem to have any problem with it. And and like you did the same thing with Janoris Jenkins in St. Louis. It was just, you know, Janoris Jenkins, good man corner. You know, you saw him really thrive when he got out of that system and got to the Giants. And, and the injury kind of slowed down a little bit last year, but it's, you know, <laughs> I have a hard time seeing that, but with that style of defense Williams plays. But I also wonder, too, looking at the Browns and the way that was all handled this year, I don't wonder if this is sort of maybe like, the, you know, the last-ditch audition for Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams and that coaching staff a little bit, too.
1: Yeah, you got to think they're on their last legs. Like, they, yeah. got, they got this year, even though they got a, a rookie quarterback, remember, they brought in Tyron Taylor. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, they won't really have many excuses, uh, mm-hmm. especially if they have, like, uh, J- Josh Gordon, if, if he plays the whole season. Mm. I mean, they got a bunch of talent now. Corey Coleman, uh, that tight end from last year, uh, let's see, what was his name? And Joku. I mean, they got a bunch of fucking talent. And, you know, I, I know they're going to have to take care of the left tackle now uh, with Joe Thomas retired, but if they can get the protection figured out, man, Tyrod Taylor should thrive with those guys. They won't really have any excuses. Their defense has got a bunch of playmakers on it, too. Now we'll have to see how Denzel Ward plays. But, you know, just, just to kind of, you know, drive home the best player available, it's not like uh, the Broncos were had a huge need at, at pass rusher either. Right. You know, uh, they got uh, Shane Ray. He broke his arm last year, but he was a first-round pick. Shaquille Barrett has been... Uh, tremendous. Mm-hmm. I mean, a guy off the bench and stuff like that, and of course, we know they got Von Miller, so it's not like they were hurting uh, for another defensive lineman that could pass first. They got Derek Wolf too yeah. uh, as their their foul technique, but they said, fuck that, you know, and, and, and look, they lost um, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> uh Aqib Tlaib. Yeah. This all season. And, and so they could have, you know, easily went for a corner or something like that. They said, shit, we're getting another pass rusher, <laughs> Yeah, regardless. They, there's a lot of other places that could have went in the draft. But they said they're going to get Bradley Chubb because they know that dude can get out to the passer. And they mm-hmm. know he's going to help the whole rest of that secondary. And if you recall, when you really think about that, the that, that Super Bowl they won, well, why did they win? Because they sent so much pressure out to Cam Newton. Play after play after play. And finally, the dam broke. So, I mean, again, philosophically, I I just don't see how the Browns did that. I don't necessarily think it was a bad pick per se because I don't really know. I don't know how Denzel Ward is going to fit in there in that defense or how much of an impact he's going to make. So he might be a pretty good player in his own right. I just would have loved to have seen Miles Garrett on one side and Bradley Chubb on the other and see what they could do with that. Yeah. Cause it's hard to mess that up. <laughs> yeah, you got two pass horses up front. It's hard to mess that up as a defense coordinator. Well, now we'll get to see uh
0: Von Miller on one side and Bradley Chubb on another in Denver. And I uh, whoo, <laughs> that, that yeah. could do some damage,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: I, and that's a pretty smart move to, I mean, I know, yeah, I know Denver signed Case Keenum and you know they've got their quarterback, and I mean, I think they probably. You know, I don't I can't vouch for the strength of their offensive line per se, but like I mean, with a defense like that, I mean they're gonna win games. You saw that. You saw that you saw that team win a dang Super Bowl with Peyton Manning looking average at best and you know, Brock Osweiler filling in for him some, so because of that defense. And it just got better.
1: Right. I mean, remember last year, the problem was basically that their offense was just terrible. They couldn't do anything. It yeah. wasn't like, uh, you know, it was just average. It was below average offense because of their quarterback situation yeah. mainly. Now, you know, even if you don't expect Case Keenum to set the world on fire, you
2: have they have enough
1: talent on that offense. They, they got the uh, left tackle. I think he was a rookie last year, Garrett Bowles. Ronald Leary left guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they probably... They've had a problem at right tackle for like several years now. So we'll see how that works out. Mm-hmm. But if he, you know, if he just is average, if they just have an average offense with that defense, man, <laughs> yeah. it could be a repeat. <laughs> so we, uh, I mean, they might not be as good because again, it's not the same defense coordinator. It's not Wade Phillips anymore. Right. Uh, and so it's not exactly the same system or what have you, but the talent as far as the talent they have on that defense, yeah, they could be very, very dominant this year. Mm-hmm. So
0: you look at the draft and and, and the picks, what and he, what stood out to you? What was maybe the, some of the surprises for you that you saw where players win or who took them? <coughs> Excuse me.
1: Well, um, I, I know the safety for Florida State uh, had been associated with the Bucks. <clears throat> for quite a while, but they ended up taking one of my favorite players that I broke down this, yeah. this yeah. Season, all season, Vita Vea. So I was a little bit surprised about that. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, there's talk that they would have taken him, even if they say at seven, but they took him at twelve. I thought maybe he would go a little bit later than that um, because he isn't just a pure three technique. He he's more of a, a nose tackle who can still pass rush for, for you on third down. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, it, it's when you really think about it, it's actually a really nice fit for the Bucs. Um, one of the things that uh, you could say the Bucs have been negligent with to a certain extent uh, since they uh, drafted Gerald McCoy is that they rarely surrounded him with a lot of talent where teams can't double-team him. Yeah. Now, they've tried. Don't get me wrong. Uh, love his first year. They spent a lot of money. Uh, on a defensive end, uh, Michael Johnson, but it just didn't work out. But now they already got Jason Pierre-Paul uh, in the offseason. They got Vinnie Curry in the offseason. So those are two outstanding defensive ends. Noah Spence, <clears throat> who's coming off a shoulder injury, could still also be in a mix there. But now Vita Vea, and I talked about this in his breakdown, he commands a double team, and even a double team can't always block him. So, you're going to have a situation where, I mean, you have to double Gerald McCoy, right, Mm -hmm. until you don't. Because at some point, Vita Vea is going to keep killing them one-on-one that they're going to have to make a business decision. And so, I think you're probably going to see, even though he's getting a little bit older now, this might be Gerald McCoy's best season if he can stay healthy. He's had some injury issues of late. But, I mean, it's always been he has this really great get-off but you look up and here's the center helping out the guard, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, it's all negated because, or maybe it's the running back chipping or something like that. They're gonna keep teams honest now up front. The books I'm talking about, with Vita Vea in the middle and Jason Pierre Paul and Vinny Curry on the outside. This should be Gerald McCoy's year to really flourish and shine. Even though he's playing in a Mike Smith defense, which <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of confidence in. Like I said, you get four studs up front, it's hard to fuck that up for any yeah. defense coordinator. So, I mean, it, I just I can't wait to see, because you're going to have to block Vita uh one-on-one, at least at first, because you're going to have to make him prove that he's worthy of a double team when you got Jerry McCoy on the other side of him. Mm-hmm. But that dude is going to—I mean—he's going to pick up guards and just throw them into the quarterback at some point because he's so damn strong. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was a very surprising pick, but in hindsight, maybe it shouldn't have been. It, it really m- gives them a formidable formidable front uh, four, and now even though you know, I still think the secondary is going to suck because see also Mike Smith. But yeah. it gives them a chance. You know, <laughs> even with a bad uh, scheme, even with a bad secondary, if you have a bunch of guys up front that can get out to the quarterback, it can have a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the first um, surprise, real big surprise for me, was that they took Veda Vea when, uh, I think it was, what's his name, Derwin James for yeah. Florida State had been uh, associated with them, and Derwin ended up going to uh, pick seventeen. So he went just a little bit later. Um, <clears throat> the, the, I guess one thing that did stand out is that <laughs> how long it took for a wide receiver to come off the board. Yeah. I think uh the first one was Calvin Ridley, but he didn't get he, he didn't come off the board until no, no, it was, it was DJ Anthony, Moore. Which was really and, surprising and thought, to me. Right. I, I thought the consensus was Calvin Ridley was the best guy. Um and and, and just <clears throat> To talk about my process for a second, I don't read other people's breakdowns before the draft. Mm-hmm. I might read them afterwards, but I'm very conscious about <clears throat> being corrupted by somebody else's words about a player. So I look up lists and stuff. I see mm-hmm. who's got somebody you know ranked in their top five or whatever, but I don't read the breakdowns. So I was actually, you know, kind of surprised after the fact, I guess a lot of people were higher on DJ more than I was. I just didn't see it in the four games that I saw. I didn't see the the separation down the field on the deeper passes. I thought he was a very good guy uh, on the short to intermediate routes. But I had some question about how explosive he could be. With Calvin Ridley, it was more of a question of you know what he would do when the ball actually came to him when he was open because so many would-be passes to him were offline by his quarterback. His quarterback was killing him. A lot, yeah. because he was open and he just couldn't get the ball to him. So, you know, the fact that so many people, when I looked it up after the fact, had Calvin Ridley ranked higher than D.J. Moore, but then D.J. Moore is the first one off the board, I thought was a little interesting. I wasn't sure that Calvin Rid- I mean, D.J. Moore was in my top three, to be honest with you,
2: yeah.
1: of wide receivers this year. So I-, I thought that was a little bit of an upset. I mean, he goes to the Panthers, and, you know, when you think about it, though, what have the Panthers been uh, banging on ever since last season when they got rid of Kelvin uh, Benjamin. They've been saying they wanted to get faster at wide receiver. They wanted somebody that can t- take the time off of defense. Well, DJ Moore's got that fast 40 time. I don't see the separation down the field, but I can see maybe where they were going with that because I think he's a little bit bigger than Calvin Ridley too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've got I mean, they signed Torrey Smith this offseason too so that's <laughs> the all-Maryland wide receiver core. And they've got Devin Funchess obviously too, but that's a that's doubling down on the Big Ten and the wide receiver core and, and for the Panthers there,
1: right? But even at that, DJ Moore comes off the board at pick twenty four. I mean, your first yeah. wide receiver isn't off the board until after the twenty, so that tells you that I think that this was a class where you didn't have a whole bunch of superstar wide receivers, but at the same time you had a bunch of quality guys. Yeah. So while they you know they didn't come off the board until a little bit later. I think, you know, you got a lot of quality guys from pick 24 on.
0: Yeah, and Ridley was two picks later, and those are the only two guys in the first, only two receivers in the first round. There are more centers in the first round than there were receivers this year. Right,
1: which is crazy because that's <laughs> just not how they used to go. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> But I was, you know, I, when Anthony Miller went in the middle of the second round of the Bears, I thought that was a pretty good pick, too. though.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I think that's a great fit all the way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be able to grow uh, with the quarterback they uh, drafted last year. And, I mean, he's he's a, a, a guy who can catch in traffic. And you're going to have to do a lot of that in Chicago when it gets to, you know, later on in the season when they have those uh, bad weather games. A lot of those times you're going to have to catch those contested footballs in those games because your quarterback ain't going to be able to give it to you in a perfect spot. So yeah. I think it's a great place for him to go, and he can work the inside or the outside of the field.
2: Yeah. How about the
0: Jaguars taking Taven Bryan in the first round? Like, what? What of all the things the Jaguars need, I definitely would put defensive linemen at the top.
1: <laughs> but
0: yeah. it's pretty I mean, smart, listen. I guess, you know.
1: Well, I mean, Levar, Lamar Jackson was right down the board for you. Yeah, I, I don't really get passing up on Lamar Jackson when, I, I mean, if there was ever a team where you could say he could fit right in. Yeah, you look at what they do with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville because they're trying to hide him so much. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and last year at least, and, and make it so that you know he couldn't give the game away. I mean, they made a very simple offense. They had him doing at least one or two. Uh, read options of the game where he would keep the football and run with it, and and it was a, a very successful for him. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> taking Tavon and Bryant, and, and, you know, in my breakdown, I see all the attributes that a team would covet
2: yeah. in
1: Tavon Bryant, <clears throat> but at the same time, it's unrefined. Yeah, And, you know, the We'll see how it works out. He's He's got a bunch of ability, and his ceiling is high, but you're going to have to teach him how to play football, really. He's just a guy that was getting up the field and running around blocks and you know, not a whole lot of technique-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to learn some pass rush moves and stuff of that nature. Now, the good news is, because they already stocked the defensive line, he doesn't have to play anytime soon. But that seems like a hell of a luxury pick, for a team that, even though they made it deep into the playoffs last year, still has some glaring holes, especially with the wide receiver core, when they, you know, two of their best wide receivers are, are no longer on the team anymore. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, we'll see how it works out. I don't even think Tavon Bryant, unless there's some kind of suspension lumen that we don't know about, I mean, I, I wouldn't see him as a starter anytime soon, unless they just, you know, they, they dealt somebody, traded somebody, or something like that, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I'm trying to pull up uh, their depth chart right now. Well, is he?
0: I mean, I guess, like, I saw where they didn't pick up Fowler's fifth-year option. So, like, I wonder if this is, like, I mean, is he a long-term replacement for Fowler? Or
2: is it... Oh, no. Nah,
1: he's he's definitely not a defensive man, He's an inside guy. Okay. And, and with Fowler, I think it's just a matter of – it's more like the off-the-field stuff with him. God, they got Marcel Darius
0: this, is... this year, too. <laughs> Jesus
1: Christ. Right. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. They he... got Marcel Darius – <laughs> Malik Jackson, Avery Jones. I mean, where is he going to get playing time at? Yeah. And don't forget that on third downs, Calais Campbell comes inside too. Yeah. So I don't know where you, you know, manufacture some reps for him unless you, you know, cut somebody or trade somebody or something like that. Especially when, don't forget, they got a bunch of ends too. Yeah. They got a bunch of pass rushes. Even if he was going to take over for Dante Fowler, I mean, you still got Dwayne Smoot. You still got to do Lorente McCray that they just re-signed, Who can pass us on the outside? And that's to go along with the starters, Calais Campbell and Yannick and Gakwe. So, mm-hmm. I mean, right now, you know, you look on just you know, depth chart or whatever. Look, for, I'm on looking on our last. He's a 13th defensive tackle. Yeah. Really, technically, the 15th defensive tackle. So, mm, I don't know, man. I just seems like, and maybe. Not even Lamar Jackson. It just seems like there was somewhere else on your team where you could have tried to upgrade other than you're the, literally the deepest part of your team already. And especially when I don't necessarily believe Taylor Brian was the best player available either.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's a good point about the quarterback, or Lamar Jackson especially, because you have – here he's on the board, and – it's so bizarre. I mean, like, I get it. Like, you know, maybe Blake Bortles, what even if they do draft Lamar Jackson or another quarterback, it's yeah, you got you've got the contract situation with Blake Bortles that they've kind of rejiggered it to be sort of like, you know, uh, easy to get out of deal, but like they can get a, you know they could put him in as the starter, plan to him to be the starter week one. Okay, whatever. But like it's obvious I, I think even to the Jaguars that this is not a long-term solution for a team with championship aspirations. I'm like, yeah, you could get by, and hell, maybe you could, you know, you can win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. You could probably win a Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. It's not, it's not impossible, but it's not, you know, this is a, you don't build a dynasty or anything like that with Blake Bortles there. And you, you could have drafted Lamar, and you bring him in. He doesn't have to start right away. You, you know, you're not under a lot of pressure for that. It's just i mean (laughs) uh, i i I just don't get it and like to see jackson slide all the way to 32 and like you know you heard all that stuff well the patriots really like him they really like him and they didn't you know passed on the chance to take him with two first round picks and then he ends up with the ravens which is you know not a bad move for the ravens because obviously joe flacco's in kind of a blake bortles situation too where this is not a viable long-term starter for you anymore.
1: Right. I, I think he went to a, a really good place when you think about it. He, he won't have to play right away because Joe Flacco, at least for now, is their quarterback.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He has some talent around him. Remember, they signed uh, Michael Crabtree this offseason, and he catches pretty much everything you throw his way. And so they have talent. I think their offensive line is pretty good still. They have a really good running game. They need to work on on figuring out what they want to do on offense. Their offense has been just ugly yeah. for a while now. But they also they drafted a tight end, I think, uh Hayden Hurst, who was supposed to be really good. I didn't do a breakdown on him. Um, but they, you know, they also got Willie Sneed. They evidently <laughs> they got Willie Sneed after uh Des Bryant told them no. But yeah. they, they, I mean they have some talent on that offense. And so uh Lamar Jackson gets to sit and watch Joe Flacco for a while. I'm not sure that he's going to learn a whole lot at this point in Flacco's career. I'm not sure he's still elite, if he ever was. Um, but he, he won't have to go in there right away. And, and it kind of sounds like they're going to have some kind of packages for him um, you know, to kind of uh, showcase the yeah. things that he does well right away. And so you get the best of both worlds. Guy doesn't have to have the pressure of starting right off the bat, but he still gets his feet wet and keeps them engaged by getting them in there a little bit, maybe every game, a play or two here or there to keep the defense on their toes and give them a chance to make plays. So yeah. I think it's a real good situation up there in Baltimore, and you know, I can't wait to see what they end up doing with them eventually in that offense.
0: Yeah, and, like, and too, that's, you know, that's not – I mean, I think that's a good offensive coaching staff there, too. That's not – you know, one of those guys where it's I'm gonna fit you into my, my scheme whether you like it or not, whether you fit or not. I mean, this is a, you know, it's a team that kind of makes way. I mean, you know, we we had this discussion even last season, you know, in regards to Colin Kaepernick and, and why he'd be a good would have been a good fit there. So I mean, I, it's a good spot for Lamar Jackson, and then I uh, you know credit the Ravens for getting him at that 30 second pick. I mean, I, I was surprised he fell that far in the draft. I really was. I guess I shouldn't have been given all the stupid shit everyone spent the spring saying about him. But at the same time, I'm happy the kid did get to go in the first round.
1: Right. And, and, and with Lamar, the biggest thing to me was that he went somewhere that was a good fit for him. Yeah. Because we know that there's a bunch of teams that, like you said, they would want to put a, a, a round pig in a square hole. Did, well, we just going to do it my way, that type of thing. And I think he went to one of the handful of teams that really is going to showcase the things that he does well instead of trying to force him to do some things that he doesn't do yeah. very well yet. And still at the same time, helping to develop those weaknesses so they don't have to coach around him so much. And he's going to have time. So, you know, in a way, you have to always look at it, uh, you know, what is best for the player, no matter where they went. You know, the money and stuff is different. I get that. But are they somewhere where they could <clears throat> potentially blossom or are they somewhere that's gonna uh suck the career out of them before people can even see what they they can do? I I, I was actually thinking about this um earlier this morning. You know, you, you think about uh the Rams. Yeah. Right? And just how bad Jared Goff looked that first year uh under Jeff Fisher. Like, he didn't look like the game was too fast for him or any of those other cliches we say about quarterbacks who struggled through their rookie year but then bounced back. He looked fucking terrible, Mm -hmm. right? He looked like he didn't belong out there. And nothing he did that rookie year kind of dissuaded me. I was like, this guy is garbage. Mind you, I had seen his uh, college tape so I was, I was a bit more than a bit surprised that all of a sudden a guy who I thought through a great touch and anticipation in college was just throwing the ball in the fucking dirt, right? But imagine if Jeff Fisher coaches him for the first three years of his career. Yeah. What which Jared Gap golf will be? We be talking about right now. Yeah. So the, and that's what I mean is like. It was great that Jared Goff went so high in the draft, but he is fortunate that the Rams finally fired Jeff Fisher's ass and gave him a whole new lease on life the next year because, you know, it could have easily went the other way. A lot of people were ready to call him a bust after his rookie year. Yeah. And so if Lamar goes into a situation like that where he, need, he has to play right away and they're not going to really showcase his talent – then that would have been an easy way to people to kind of say, see, you yeah. should have played receiver in the first place. Yep. So for him specifically, you know, I, I kind of even put out of my mind whether he would go in the first round. I, I didn't think he would. After everything was said and done, I was just hoping, uh, and I was like everybody else, quietly, when the Patriots seemed to express some interest, I was like, oh, yes, Jesus, let the Patriots get him. Because if I don't know nothing else, Bill Belichick knows how to use talent. Yeah, I know that. And so, you know, and he wouldn't obviously have to play as long as they have Brady there. So, I mean, those that that to me, that's what it became with Lamar Jackson. I just wanted him to go to a place where he was going to have an opportunity to thrive rather than, you know, focusing on did he go in the first round or did he go with this pick or whatever. And I think just, you know, fate saw to it that he went somewhere where he can thrive. And hopefully he will. And hopefully he'll get his opportunity in a year or two or so. I really don't want to see him hit the field yet because he does need to work on some things. And most people will acknowledge For that. Sure. But it's just we aren't the ones talking about he needs to play a whole fucking new position just because yeah. he has some I mean, mechanical things that he has to work on, just like pretty much every other quarterback coming out. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't that surprised that he went 32 if anything, I was actually more surprised that he did go in the first round. But I was just very happy that the team that he went to seems like a good place for him long term.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's a good fit, and I think that's probably – I mean, <laughs> we <won't, laughs> where will Joe Flacco go next? That's the next I, – I can't wait to have that podcast discussion, Stephen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <It's gonna laughs> where
0: be very will he take his elite quarterback in this – Next time,
1: <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be just you know, just so ironic if he goes out there and, and all of a sudden, the somehow, some way, the Ravens end up in the Super Bowl this year, oh, the year man. that they draft Lamar Jackson, all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, Joe Flacco has a bounce back year, and all of a sudden he's you know elite again. <laughs> wouldn't that just be oh, <laughs> the damn? Just, I mean, that would just make all the sense of the world. It would go right <laughs> along with everything else about 2018 right now. It really would.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun as we get into camp once training camp starts and then obviously into the season where we can start actually – I mean, it's fun to talk about the players and the picks now. Don't get me wrong. I-, I enjoy it as much as anybody does. But, you know, it's hard to really say what these guys are going to be or how they're going to fit with their teams and stuff until we actually – you know, get the chance to see it at work as opposed to just sort of in theory like we are right now. But cuz there's bound to be even more surprises when that happens.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And all those picks, you know, that we were sure about and we'll be like, "Oh, I didn't I didn't even think about that guy when <laughs> until uh until I saw him break out by the middle of the season last year." So it's uh, always a couple of those. Running back, big year for running backs too, I guess. That was not a huge surprise, but.
1: Yeah, the Saquon Barkley uh, pick, I think <clears throat> some people didn't like that pick very much. I actually think it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh, for the Giants. And one of the things about it is I had a couple people uh, tweet at me uh about the Giants' offensive line being bad. And, of course, they can't tweet me anymore or see my <laughs> timeline. But I'm just going to make the the uh, suggestion that people understand that no team is the same from year to year.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I mean, you got a whole new fucking coaching staff in New York, and they brought in new guys on their offensive line.
2: Mm-hmm. They got rid
1: of the old right tackle, we don't know if Eric Flowers is going to play another fucking down for that team. Mm-mm. And he was a big problem, a big part of why their offensive line sucked. Yeah. So, yeah, their offensive line did suck last year. This is not going to be the same offensive line this year. Maybe it'll still suck. But none of us know that right now, just like none of us even know who the starting offensive lineman for the Giants is going to be on opening day right now. Yeah. So just from a philosophical standpoint – Saquon Barkley makes a ton of sense. You got an agent quarterback in Eli Manning who can still make a lot of plays but can't take the team on his shoulders. And now you got a guy in Saquon Barkley who not just through the running game but also through the passing game can give Eli Manning a much easier, uh, much easier uh, way of it this, this season. He, Eli not only gets the benefit from if Saquon Barkley is a good running back, now you got the play-action pass working. But also, Saquon Barkley is good out of the backfield catching the ball. So now, instead of having to throw a high degree of difficulty pass down the field to uh, Od- Odell Beckham Jr., you can dump the ball out to Saquon Barkley, a five-yard pass turns into a 20-yard game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so many reasons why this makes sense for their offense. And then, again whoever's playing quarterback after Eli Manning will still have Saquon Barkley, one of the best players, if not the best player in the draft, available to help their offense too. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand why some people want them to go quarterback. But for right now, I don't know that any of those uh, quarterbacks who are on the board can help the Giants win right now. I'm pretty sure none of them would have moved Eli Manning off the team just by them getting drafted. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to ride with Eli Manning this year, see, give him a, a chance. Give him a chance to ride out, you know, <laughs> ride off into the sunset with one more Super Bowl, and you have a dynamic running back who can do it as a runner and out of the backfield and protection. You know, one of the most well-rounded running backs we've had come out in recent drafts. Yeah. And And, and now Eli Manning doesn't have to throw the football 50 times a game it with with a shitty offensive line in front of him. <laughs> no, and they, you know, and that was their
0: second round pick was Will Hernandez, and I thought that was a really good pick. He'd get a good, a good guard like that to go with Barkley, help keep Manning upright, which is a luxury he hasn't really had in a while in New York. I mean, I think New York could actually kind of be. You know, you. I was thinking about this the other day, talking to somebody about the NFC East, and obviously the Eagles are still the gold standard. I mean, you look at their roster; it's pretty loaded. But like, I mean, I think the Giants could bounce back. I mean, I think if any team in that division right now in on May third, when we're all looking at it on paper, I mean, to me though, that's like I think they have a better shot at competing with the Eagles than the Giant than the Cowboys or, or Washington even. And and, and, and
1: there's so much we don't. To it, but. Right, but we don't even know. We, there's so much we don't know about this Giants team because mm-hmm. of the new staff. You know, I think they're supposed to be going to a three-four base defense, which yeah. will still probably mean a lot of four-man fronts, but just different techniques and that kind of stuff. You know, they don't have JPP anymore. Uh, I, I, Olivier Vernon hasn't been this big-time sack guy since they gave him all that money. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue he still has played well, but. Know when you get a guy that amount of money in their contract, you have expectations of certain kinds of statistics, and so he hasn't done that yet. But we don't know, maybe it'll be a great transition to a 3 4. Maybe this offense will come alive now that they are apparently going to be able to get rid of Eric Flowers and the right tackle from last year, yeah. Right, and now they got Saquon Barkley, so you don't have to put it all on Eli Manning, yeah. Saquon Barkley could be a huge difference difference maker for this team. Like I said, just by virtue of the fact that he's taking a lot of the weight off of Eli Manning's shoulder. When has Eli Manning had that in the last five or six years? I mean, maybe even ever that he's had a guy that could take the kind of weight off of him that Barkley, if he stays healthy, will be able to do this year. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you can't ever seen think it? of the last
0: good Giants running back. You know what I mean? It's been a long damn time.
1: Right. And so, I mean, who knows? Maybe this does all of a sudden have Eli Manning looking like the second coming all of a
2: sudden.
1: (laughs) You (laughs) just never know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) But you know who their O.C.
1: is? Yes, I know. (laughs) I wasn't gonna be a part of Pooper Giants fan, but yes, your offense coordinator is Mike Shula. So you want to take all that with a, a grain of salt. Everything I just said, positive about your offense, take it with a grain of salt because Mike Shula is your offense coordinator.
0: Hey, and you know, maybe a tiger can change his stripes. You never know. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Now the only thing about it is, you know, is it really Mike Shula or is it Pat Shula? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the saving and, grace there.
2: You know, that might right be.
1: exactly. So that, you know, hopefully for their for Giants fans' sake it'll just be offense coordinator and name only. <laughs> but then again, hey, you know, it's always fun to hear people talking bad about Mike Shula every Sunday anyway. So maybe <laughs> it is Mike Shula. It will things a lot more hilarious. You I can know, put it that way.
0: and we've got, I mean, Brian Schottenheimer is an offensive coordinator again. It, just, it could be a great year for trash offensive coordinators. You never know.
1: You just never know.
0: <laughs> hey, speaking, all right, I, I want to move on from the draft a little bit before we close it out today. Um speaking of confusing and i know we were talking about this a little bit before the beginning of the show and and trying to make sense of it but this proposal for it was so the nfl brain trust got together this week at they're at the company offices here in new york to talk about two things and one day was this helmet rule which we've talked about on this program before and you know we'll we'll see the confusion that ensues around the helmet lowering the helmet rule that they want to start suspending players for or kicking them out of the games for. But the, the, the one that, like, to me, that sewed even more, like, you, you knew that they couldn't just be content. Like, hey, we made the catch rule more logical. But you knew they couldn't, like, be content with that. Like, hey, you did a good thing with the catch rule. And, and now they're doing something with the kickoff that, like, I, you know, I know that they want to make kickoffs safer. <laughs> they come up with this proposal on kickoffs. And it hasn't been approved yet. It gets approved. It goes up for approval later this month when the owners meet. But it's all kinds of crazy. And like I thought, maybe they would just adopt that rule in college, where a team has the option of catching a touchback anywhere inside the 25, and then getting to, to take calling a fair catch anywhere inside the 25, and then getting the touchback for it. Uh, they did not do that. They did something uh, much more confusing, Stephen. Does it, you've had a chance to read it now. Does it, is it any clearer to you now than it was before?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's clear of one thing, and that means uh, some returners might be getting knocked the hell out if this, if this, if they actually have this rule this year. And I'm going to tell you why. It's one of those unintended consequences Mm -hmm. type situation. So evidently they're trying to make a kickoff more like a punt but a kickoff is not really like a punt. Mm. And there's a very big distinction here. See, when you have to punt the football as the punt team, the first thing you have to do is protect against the other team blocking your punt. Now, you might say that's not that big of a deal, but it actually makes a huge difference because that means that the guys who are going to eventually run down and try to make a tackle on a punt returner have to first go backwards and try to make sure that the punt isn't blocked. And so that allows the punt return team to get a chance to get their hands on them early. Right. And so now they have to beat a guy, you beat it, you know, get off a block just to get down the field to get in position to make a play on a punt returner. Now, it does usually end up where the pump, the guy that's going down to make the tackle on the pump returner and the guy who's trying to block him are running side by side. But that's only after they've already met behind the line of scrimmage. They've already, Mm -hmm. you know, tussled. And so they've already, the the guy that's running down there to to make the tackle on the pump returner guy has already been slowed down. And at no point really will he have a chance to get up to full speed. This is where the fundamental difference comes in because the NFL is now saying that the kickoff return team, not only can they do the eight out of 11 players have to be within 15 yards of the restraining line, which is, you know, 10 yards from the kicking team, but you also cannot make a block within that 15 yards. So that means, one, while they are not giving the kickoff team a running start anymore, Mm -hmm. they're still, excuse me, Mm -hmm. they're still at least going to have like 15 yards to get up a full head of steam. Whereas you, the guy who's supposed to try to block them, will have no momentum going forward to try to stop them. You'll only be able to backpedal and wait and wait and wait until you finally have the opportunity to put your, get your hands on them. At that point, they are running 100 miles per hour straight ahead. You're trying to run fast going backwards, but usually you don't have a lot of power running backwards. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I've been on the kickoff return team. You don't have a lot of power running backwards. When you're on the kickoff return team, you usually have time to stop and then go forward to meet force with force. In this situation, what's going to happen, and I'm not saying maybe, I'm telling you this shit is going to happen. So trust me, if they keep this rule in, you're going to watch every kickoff from now on this preseason. It won't last long, but the first few will be worth the price of admission because those guys on the kickoff return team are going to miss a lot of blocks. A lot of blocks. So you're going to have four or five dudes running full speed, and the guy that's supposed to block him will not be able to slow them down at all, and you're going to have a return guy with no wedge in front of him and just a bunch of bodies running down, and he has to make a split-second decision on how he's not going to get creamed by four or five guys running down full speed without so much as somebody bumping them out of their lane. I'm telling you, I promise you this. You cannot do this. I'm thinking in my head how physically... Do you tell a guy that not only will they not be able to meet force with force, they won't even be able to block a dude, if, even if the guy's running by? Remember, they can't block within that 15 yards. So even if the guy's already to them, according to the rule that's proposed, they won't be able to put a hand on. It. So you load up your kickoff return team with a bunch of fast guys who can get past the deadline of blockers before they. Make it 15 yards before they can even put a hand on them, and you yeah. might have seven or eight dudes running full speed who don't get touched. And a one lonely ass return man back there with no wedge to protect him. <laughs> Let's just say I think there's gonna be a whole lot more uh you know, just taking the knee in the end zone. But if teams are smart they'll start squib-kicking. I'm telling you, this rule won't last more than a couple of kickoffs because somebody's going to be smart enough to say, well, if they're going to do this, let's show them what it actually does. So we're not going to kick it into the end zone. We're either going to squib-kick it on the ground where they have to return it or kick it way up in the air short of the goal line where they have to return it, and then that kick return is going to have a bad day. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've read through the proposal. I hadn't even really known. I didn't really know what the proposal was until you mentioned it before it we went live. But this is crazy. I mean, you cannot make it. I understand they want to. Well, we'll make it into more of a punt because people don't associate head injuries with being on the punt return team or the punt team. But I'm just telling you, you can't make these blocks the way they're saying it. I have no idea how they came up with this? Like, how did they try to simulate this to see if he would it would actually work? But in my head, there is no way those frontline blockers are going to be able to block the kickoff return team dudes because they got the advantage of having like fifteen to twenty yards full head of steam, and there's going to be a fifteen yard buffer where they can't block. Them. They can't block them. You can't touch them with those fifteen yards. So what happens if they get there before the fifteen yards? Yeah. You can't block them. So you're just going you to turn around and watch them <laughs> blow up your retirement. I'm telling you. And when it happens, I just want everybody to hear this podcast. Give me a little bit of dap on Twitter if I ain't blocked you yet. Because it's going to happen. I'm telling you. Notice I ain't say if it happened. When this happens... <laughs> just be like yeah you called it bro <laughs> it's always these rules where they
0: where they want to change it but they can't quite change it and they nibble around the edges like this and the law of unintended consequences always comes back to bite them with this i mean we I just, I, I just just wait between this and this hel- this ejection over the helmet lowering the helmet hits this season shit man you we're i can't even i'm just thinking about now how much time we're going to be spend- <laughs> spending on sundays explaining these damn rule changes
1: I mean, really, are they going to hire more referees? Because who's going to be sitting there watching yeah. their 15 yards to see if somebody got blocked early or not? And, I mean, what's the penalty for that? And, uh, I mean, you, you just got to watch so much stuff now, the head injury stuff, the the hitting with the head. I mean, you're going to watch an offensive lineman come off and get a pancake and throw a penalty on them because their helmets hit? I, I, don't, I don't know how any of this stuff going to go down. All I do know is the more you put the game in the referees' hands, the less of an experience as it is for the fans. Yeah, that's all I know. The yeah. more that fans have to listen to referees or listen to the guy back in New York making replay yeah. calls and stuff like that, the more they hate the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 there's ways to make the game safer without doing this kind of shit. Yeah, that's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, you uh, know, it ought to be interesting. So. Well, anyway, we have uh, we've reached our time, and uh, just as a little Easter egg to the folks that that uh, that held out, um, now we're going to go down the list of Avengers: Infinity War spoilers. No, I'm just kidding you. Um, no, but we are. We're going to take a little hiatus for the off season, and uh, we'll be back once the football action starts. We'll be back to reinterpret all these crazy rule changes in some form or another.
1: That should be fun. <laughs>